This is the GPL Podcast from GopherPuckLive.com. This podcast is sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at FirstClassMortgage.com. Now let's start the show with your hosts, Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 208. Well, Viggs, we delayed it a day. You had a previous engagement last night. I hope you've defrosted. You actually... I dressed for the weather. I was in lots of layers. I knew what I was getting into. And uh, it was a lot of fun to be there. You know, it's a once in a lifetime experience. I mean, I don't know if this will ever happen again, especially after the fallout from everybody talking about the conditions. But I was very comfortable for the game. I was happy to see them win 3-0. Uh, it was an impressive performance of the, the U.S. men's national team getting goals off of set pieces. You know, that's kind of USA soccer like we expect. Well, we'll get into that a little bit, but it's just because I'm curious. It just seemed like a blast. But but we have a returning guest, another the former gopher making his second appearance on the show, Eric Shearhorn. There he is. How you doing, man? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. It's good to be back. Well, you know, I figured we have you on again because well, for one, there's not any the goalie, goalie news, is there? The goalie situation the last month. A bit of a talker mm-hmm. and and i thought that we would you know eventually get some of your thoughts here on you know all that whole situation but i'm just glad you could you could join us again yeah i do i get the title recurring guest now you you do all right all right yeah i'll take it it's we might have to keep you bring you back more often <laughs> all right perfect i love doing it well, well right before you know we brought you on i was talking with Viggs here about that that you know why we didn't go on wednesday night because Viggs was at the u.s soccer match last night and uh Zero degrees, something like that, Viggs. Honduran players getting hypothermia. And, of course, I saw the U.S. national men's team tweeting out, only in Minnesota to get people without shirts on. (laughs) It was cold. You were dressed appropriately. But tell us about the atmosphere. How fun was it, even with the weather? Well, I think there was just kind of a feeling of excitement. Like, I ran into a bunch of people who I know, you know, follow the, the soccer program around and, you know, seeing them in the concourse, I got there at like five fifteen. You know, so I was there almost like an hour before kickoff. You know, just, just take, yeah. And, you know, I wore five layers, so I was ready for it. Uh, I thought about bringing some cardboard or styrofoam to stand on. I was like, nah, it's not that bad out there, and it was really comfortable. And I I had a great time, had a couple of beers, and uh, enjoyed it. Eric, did you play any outdoor games? Except maybe in youth, maybe because I know you kind of you missed some of those outdoor games the Gophers didn't. You? Yeah, unfortunately, we missed those. As like I was telling you beforehand, we um, Don kind of said when we were getting recruiting to the classes. Well, two above me played in that one at TCF, but above me for sure, they said we're we're going to do one every four years because Don didn't really like them. Um, I'm guessing he didn't think it suited the Gophers' game very well. Um, which there might be something there, but you know, it's something everyone wants to do. Unfortunately, we didn't, I don't know if this counts, but um, when I was young, 
we would play at a rink in Kenai, Alaska, sometimes for tournaments at three walls. So we're going up there in the middle of winter. Yeah. It's, I, I don't even know how, like it didn't even make sense, but it was like part indoor, part outdoor. So it's like negative 20 degrees in Kenai, Alaska. And we're playing hockey is brutal. So if that counts, then yes, I have. I, I mean, you know, most kids when they're growing up, they do play outdoor ice. Some, at least I hope so. Vigs. That's kind of the whole part, you know, being out there with your friends and learning how to do the stupid things that you could use later on, just skill development. There's a lot less of it these days, but uh, I know I've played out in freezing cold just for fun. Yeah, I think the key is when you are playing out in freezing cold, you do get to go warm up and things <laughs> like that throughout the throughout the experience. So that's a little different soccer where you have like 45 minutes where they're just out there going. Like I'm, I saw Matt Turner, the goalie for the U.S., you know, kind of running sprints at the top of the box to stay warm. And, and, you know, done during some of the long timeouts, he'd go get a blanket, wrap himself. <laughs> I was just like, well, lucky there was no intense for them. Did he have officially any saves? I don't know if he did. He didn't get a lot of work. That's for sure. Oh, why? And then they took away. He had been at the Vikings practice facility, Eric. Yeah. And they gave him one of those hand warmers that go around your waist. 30 seconds in the referees, like take it off. Really? I'm like, they should have let both goalies just do that. Just who cares? Yeah. Well, the thought that I just had on the goalie too, is when it's that cold, the ground's got to be rock hard, right? And you're diving all over the place. I can't feel good. Well, they, they, it is heated. They said it was heated to 52 degrees, but they kept it covered. They kept it covered. The problem was, you know, once you uncover it, even though it's 52 degrees, it started to freeze on top from what I, what the announcers are saying, Biggs. Yeah. It seemed like the footing was kind of okay. You can also blame it on the cold too. You know, the players probably had a hard time getting going sometimes for some of their things. And then the ball was frozen too. So they, like, they keep switching them out. Yeah. They could. yeah, they switched them out. And the kids on the sidelines would put them under their sweatshirts to try to get some <laughs> body heat warmth on the balls. But, you know, things freeze pretty quick. I had a beer and as I was going down, the, the sides of the beer would kind of freeze to the plastic. It was, it was amazing. So. Well, well worth the delaying the the podcast for a day, Viggs, just because that, that's kind of a once in a lifetime event. We're never going to see a cold game like that for soccer here. But the fact that the fans came out for it is maybe something further down the line that they get Team USA back here for another qualifier. Maybe when it's a bit warmer, it would be nice. Pick one of the other three seasons. I mean, I went <laughs> to the the game in Chicago at Soldier Field for the Gophers. I went to the TCF outdoor game. You know, I felt like this was maybe a little bit warmer. Maybe it's just because mind over matter, you know, seeing them play soccer instead of hockey. Because uh, I remember I went down like along the glass for the game at TCF with the Gophers. And, you know, I was fine down there, too. So I, I'm just well, I'm just built for this kind of weather. Yeah, you're beefy. <laughs> <laughs> Got some natural oh insulation going. Yeah. Meat line player. At least with hockey players, Eric, that covered up a little more uh, you know if you're goalie you're hoping you're getting a lot of action so you can you know stay warm right but those soccer players are a bit more exposed no than you can't layer up as well. <laughs> they should have <laughs> sacrificed a little mobility for warmth i yeah. think in a game like that yeah. okay vigs you called it this past weekend he called four points for the gophers I, I I honestly, it, it was for me another Jekyll and Hyde weekend. 
played super well one night. Questionable the second night. I want to say at least the second night they did come back. I think they deserved a little bit better fate than they did Saturday night. Um, but uh, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I did think we'd see OT in this weekend. I, <laughs> I, I originally predicted we'd see OT both nights. Uh, we we did not see that on Friday. I thought the Gophers played a great Friday night game. You know, it's yes. one of those situations where Notre Dame gave Minnesota space like I've seen in this matchup before. It's a great matchup for Minnesota that way. And the Gophers took advantage of it. It was nice to see a lot of different guys get on the score sheet Friday. I thought they were smart with the puck. I thought they were smart, you know, not taking penalties. I thought they made smart line changes. It looked like, all right, maybe the message has gotten through. Saturday, I thought they played okay. Uh, You know, it wasn't a great start with that weird kind of tip goal that got Notre Dame on the board first. And when you give Notre Dame a lead like that, it changes the complexity of the game. Like it just, it, it just changes. It's just different. You're chasing the game the rest of the way. And I was kind of impressed to see the Gophers tied up and get it to overtime. Personally, you know, they got a goal as a power play expired, which is something we haven't seen a lot of the last couple of weeks. And so I, I think they did well to get themselves a point on the road. And Eric, you know, in the long run, you know, four points on the road on a weekend essentially a split is is kind of one of the goals a team usually has i remember don always liked to preach that hey sweep at home split on the road you know in a league you're going to do pretty good yeah yeah no doubt and and i mean i think if you're looking at going into notre dame and getting four points i think you're happy about it like no matter what i think part of it where there's some hesitation there where you're like you know left wanting more because it's you know it's kind of like you're just waiting for these guys to click on all cylinders and and they need to start stringing some together probably to to get some cushion to be in uh regardless of how the big 10 tournament shakes out so um definitely this weekend a sweep is is big and and a couple more going forward is is huge so that they don't have to sweat out the big 10 tournament which is is obviously a, a big big piece to this yes um Viggs, um saturday night i tweeted it out you've been preaching it for quite a while quit skating past the goal yeah yeah i mean it's just it is gimmick hockey and it doesn't mean a ton like you already got the point pairwise it doesn't matter that much whether you win or lose it's just the the visual of the way that game ended is frustrating because it's something yes. that that we've seen happen weekend after weekend after weekend and uh you know i tried to keep it light with sammy at availability this week Uh-oh. you know he was there uh so we talked about the nice hockey camp and some you know the gear that the guys are getting with the olympics and stuff but he he knows what what's going on out there and he knows better it's just sometimes you know when you see that play it's hard for him not to chase it and and that's what happened. It was too bad to see Lacombe also make a mistake there at the end of the game. You know, he's been better the second half. Yes. Um, but you know, in reality, it, it doesn't cost them that much. You know, it's a it, point it, it in the league and it doesn't, but it, it like you said, it's that thing that keeps happening, keeps happening. I um, mean, right off the bat, Viggs, both Walker McLaughlin got trapped in the zone with one guy there and he had the puck. He's in front of the guy. That guy skates past him, and he can't catch him. Okay, they about 
Walker's supposed to be super fast, Beegs, and that was a, another frustration of mine. Is like he was behind him the entire play. He, could, he never caught up to him, even though he started out ahead of him. Yeah, that so is uh, one of those plays where, where Bob says, you know, it's interesting that some guys have the energy to make a play when it's an offensive chance, <laughs> and they don't have the energy on a defensive chance at the end of a shift. And that's frustrating to him. You know, he didn't re-emphasize that point at any time after the game Saturday, but you know it's going in his head. He's like, if if you had a chance to join a rush the other way, you might have found the legs to mm-hmm. get in front of him. But I I don't think we want to spend the entire podcast going after that because we, I thought I thought they played well on Friday and for most of You're Saturday. Right. You're right. They, they and- played well. And and I thought at the end there, close was kind of left hung out to dry, Eric. You know, essentially a two on one that ended up being kind of you know kind of a broken play. Um, I want to talk about close because obviously this goalie situation has been crazy, but I would I would guess that um, boy, it really helps a lot when the team defense in front of you is playing really well. Yeah, no doubt, and it's it's nice to see shots early. I felt in a couple of games, he's been able to get a rhythm. I think I talked about this last time on the podcast, mm-hmm. but it, it's so important to get, you know, just few, few worm burners on the ice so you can stick to the corner, feel good about your game, um, which I felt that he's had and he's played really well. He has played really well. I went to that, um, the Michigan game where they won two, one in overtime. He was awesome in that mm-hmm. game. Um, and he doesn't look skittish at all. You know, he's not coughing up, rebounds that are clear shots from the point or anything and he's out on top of his crease he's confident he's moving confident um so i i've been really happy for him because you know i know sitting behind other goalies for three years that's not fun and i'm sure he's wondering especially after lafontaine decided to come back at the start of this series like when am i going to get my shot right um (laughs) It is probably honestly almost better that he got thrown into the fire all suddenly, as mm-hmm. opposed to having a whole off season to think about it. Or, or the flip side, if the goalie in front of him were to struggle yeah, and he's still on the roster and everyone's trying to get that goalie, his confidence back somehow yeah, because they've ridden him before. And now you're the goalie that's having some good games. Yeah. And you imagine if it was like an injury for LaFontaine or something like that. And now closer is kind of playing the way he is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be having some uncomfortable time in the locker room, I would think. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But, but if you think about it, though, LaFontaine wasn't playing that great, Eric. You know, when we had you on previously, he was struggling. I mean, around 90%, you know, save percentage, and sometimes below. He wasn't doing great. And I think, like Vig said, he was the guy. Motsko was not going to play anybody else. And I think he just kind of wanted to say, hey, guys, start playing better in front of him. It kind of builds his confidence, too. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we never got to see that come to fruition. You know, like he, he does get to sweep at Michigan State. The next day, he's going to Carolina. Yep. Yeah. Um, what a whirlwind that was. I want to hear your guys' <laughs> thoughts on that. I know I'm not the host of this podcast, but I'll fire no, I well, well, honestly, I remember I, I, I texted V's that guy that day. I go, it looks like he's gone. It's like, no, he's not gone. No, it, this is not happening. And then Viggs is like, oh, crap. Yeah. 
I mean, I talked about this the week after he signed. I understand the personal decision to, mm-hmm. to pursue the dream of playing in the NHL and getting the money. That's a really amazing opportunity for him. It's a great chance to, to check off that box that he's done that. But at the same time, he probably doesn't see it from the fan perspective that his tie to Minnesota fans now will always be tarnished somehow. And I know that's probably not fair, but now every time he's back or, or whatever, I think there's going to be a lot of tension there because the fans feel hung out to dry. And it doesn't seem like the locker room is that way. You know, when he left, there's all these Instagram posts saying nobody deserves it more. Go get them. Have a great time. But for the fans, it's really tough to stomach. And then now to see him in Chicago in the AHL and not in the NHL, it's like, was it worth it? It's hard to explain. I mean, Eric, you, yeah, but- you know better about you know what goalies face when they try to turn pro because there's just one net at every level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's tough to even get a shot. Yeah. No, it's tough. And, you know, the way I see it is that I, I'm sure he thought, well, first of all, I'm not envious of the position he was put in because that would suck. That's just mm-hmm. blatantly that would suck. Um, but the way I see it is, you know, like you said, he wasn't having the best year. Um, I mean, I, I still think he's an awesome goalie, but he was struggling. And he's, he's an older goalie. And I'm sure – not I'm sure I'm guessing Carolina was kind of like, Hey, you know, we don't know what we would do with you after this year. This is your chance to sign. You get a signing bonus. It's a lot of money. I mean, it's not like, you know, he's not set for life, but like, that's a lot of money. Um, And so would he have gotten that money at the end of this year? Had he wrote it out? Probably not. Would he have gotten NHL games in the future? Well, he'd have to grind in the AHL and, and work his way up to eventually do it. It wouldn't come this soon. Um, and I also heard that Carolina told them that Ronta was going to be out, like maybe not the rest of the year, but significantly. I mean, he's already back. I'm pretty sure. Um, so there's those factors that I'm sure he felt like, well, you know, maybe if I sign after this year, I'm getting 60 grand salary, no signing bonus in the AHL. Now I'm getting, if I sign now, I'm getting 90 grand salary and they guaranteed him a handful of NHL games, you know, the opportunity cost of that is at least 150 grand, which again, um, that's a lot <laughs> not of money. Tough change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not pocket lint. So, um, yeah, it's tough. I, I don't, I don't blame him. I went to blame him either way for his decision and, you know, that's his to make, but I, I understand other people's viewpoints, um, on it. But it, it got even crazier Viggs, because then it leaves an open spot. Then Boynton's sick. And you have to have two goalies no matter what to pl- to start a game. Otherwise, you have to cancel or forfeit the game. And Barzgavich literally got approved a couple hours before that game he had to dress four weeks. Yeah, so pretty not, crazy for just, him, too. It's not just Laffer and, yeah. and, 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 and close. It's just some complete craziness behind the scenes. Well, and then Youngstown grabs some kid from a prep team to fill out their roster in the mm-hmm. USHL. You know, there is just like this trickle down. 
And I'm sure there's some Bantam goalie that got called up to the high school team in South Kent. You know, it's just crazy how that, how that impacts everything. Uh, who knows what role Boynton or Barskevich are going to play this year. If any, you know, if Barskevich doesn't play, he saves his red shirt. Who knows what his future is. I'm sure he'll get a nice cool set of pads out of this deal right away. Like Boynton did yeah. this, this past week. Um, but we don't know what the Gophers have there. Bob's been very uh, cautious in how he talks about anybody behind closer. And he's kind of hinted that someone will get a chance, but he hasn't really been real clear when that would be or, or how that would happen. I think he's hoping that closer keeps playing like he is because he's an aggressive goalie who needs to read the play and, and get out front on top of his crease and, and attack pucks. And he's been doing that pretty well so far. How did it work when you were playing, Eric? I mean, it got to a point where you were you're switching a lot of time with Robson at, at one point. I mean, is that something that would Don make decision, or would or would the goalie coach come in and say, "Hey, this person look"? How did that work? Because you know, Moscow's kind of give us the feeling that he kind of lets the goalie coach do his thing, and maybe he doesn't input as much. But I mean, that's just don't, what he says don't, don't let him fool you. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let him fool. You. Uh, the head coach is making that call ten times out of ten. I don't care who it is. Um, as far as what we were doing, I, I I can't really remember exactly who would deliver the message every time. I think most of the time it was Don um, or Genner. And then when we were seniors, it was Bob most of the time. But they'll just, you know, for my first two years, it was with the exception of the first couple months, it, it was, I pretty much knew I was playing. So there was nothing really said, but um, usually coach would pull us aside on Thursday practice and say, Hey, you're going Friday, you're going Saturday, or you're going Friday. We'll see how it goes. Um, so it, it's dependent on the coach, but usually Thursday they'll pull both of you aside at once or separately and say, Hey, so-and-so is going Friday, but be ready type of thing. They always say, be ready. It's like, okay, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm just going to eat, eat McDonald's tonight and Jimmy John's before the game tomorrow morning. Like, <laughs> of course I'll be ready. I'll be at Mariucci. And, and, and yeah, obviously recent last few years, Viggs, one guy, LaFontaine. Laf I mean, there was no discussion. Mm -hmm. I mean, Obviously, we, we make fun of Jess Myers, you know, when Mo was still here. He's like, are you going to get Mo in there? Can I get Mo in there? And it was starting to annoy Bob. Um, then Mo leaves. Definitely not going to be talking about goaltending. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about goaltending nonstop. Yeah, it comes up. You know, Bob said, I try to stay out of the goalie room, per se. And I kind of wonder... You know, is he popping his head in there a little bit more frequently? I, I always kind of wonder, you know, because goalie is such a specialized position. It's like, how do these staffs recruit goalies? How do they how do they pick who they're going to bring into the program? And then how do they, you know, develop them going forward? Because the goalie coaches are volunteer. You know, Brennan seems like a great guy. He does some private goalie coaching on the side. But, uh, you know, he's not getting paid anything by the U. He's getting, like, some equipment and, and stuff paid for that way and provided for the Gophers that he can use. But it's it's a strange world, the, the goaltending coaching. That, that, Eric, can you kind of reflect on that? Like, what's it like for goalies to get recruited, and, and how do they pick goalies? I don't exactly know how they pick them. I'm guessing they just – they 
find someone they like. They look at stat sheets. Okay, so-and-so has good numbers. They call around to their network. They say, is this guy worth watching? Okay, they go watch him a couple times. I remember my recruitment process was pretty – I mean, Grant probably started talking to me in – October, like early October and just stay in touch, which I guess that's not that long, but when you're uh, a year out of um, a year out of high school already and kind of looking to make your decision, it kind of felt long. And so just kind of strung it along, strung it along. And he probably came to five, six of my games and probably watched every other. Um, so it was a relatively extensive process. Um, but I would guess, you know, they're talking to scouts, whether it be NHL or and, and USHL coaches asking guys. And then if they find someone that they like on video and stuff, they'll go watch them a couple times. Cause you can, you know, you need to read better in person on someone's makeup as far as, you know, okay, well, what do they like after they let in a goal? Like how confident do they look out there? Um, and then as far as once you're in, I know for us, we had, I had, uh, Justin Johnson, my first year's goalie coach, great guy, great coach. And then Andy Kent in your senior year, they would usually come twice a week to practice and be at most home games. They traveled very rarely. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a dicey conversation about the, is should there be a goal, paid goalie coach position? Because obviously the Gophers could, but you know, Niagara couldn't. So that's kind of a competitive disadvantage, but it's kind of ridiculous that you can't pay a goalie coach. Like, what do you expect? You expect these guys to do this for free and put in, you know, however many hours a week. Like, and and that kind of what I was thinking. I mean, think of football leagues, how many paid coaches there are. It's ridiculous. Right. It's, it's insane. There's so many people on the payroll, like in Alabama, like they need a huge conference room just to even do their game plan prep. You know, it's, it's out of hand. And I, I saw some quotes from Carolina that was really going after the college game with how they treat players. And when I saw that at first glance, I was like, yeah, that's probably true. You know, they probably should have full-time goalie coaches to help these guys develop. And he wasn't talking about that. You know, he was talking more about how guys, you know, get their scholarships pulled at the last minute or, you know, their scholarship percentages get yeah, moved around. NHL but does I, the same BS. Deals. Yeah. The NHL promises you games yeah. and sends you to Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I do think goalies probably get a little bit of a short shift in college because you don't have a dedicated coach and they probably deserve it, yeah. you know the the college hockey staffs are tough like the hockey ops guy isn't really supposed to be an on ice coach he's not supposed to help he's supposed to be more behind the scenes stuff you know but that's a paid position it would make sense to have a goalie coach get paid and and think about it when someone when laffer ended up getting his nhl start somebody put out the number of minnesota goalies or that played university of minnesota that actually have played in the nhl and really, only two of them have played significant amount of games. It was Stauber and, and John Blue. Oh. That's 35 years ago, Viggs. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, a couple games here and there. I think, I think it even said Crazy might have even had one game in the NHL. <laughs> but not many have played significant games. Really, it's only those two that had any impact or games. It's, yeah, it's definitely rest. a surprising thing. I need to shrink it. <laughs> but even college, there haven't been a ton of college goalies that have gone on to be successful. If you look up 
the makeup of the NHL, you know, there's starting to be more Americans who are, who are being goalies, but they, not a ton of them are college guys. We're seeing some of those bigger development guys like Demko and, um, you know, Campbell and some of those other guys who've gone that route, find the net, but it's not the frequent path. I mean, recently, I mean, the only ones I can think of, you know, we had Ryan Miller played, played a very long time. Elliot had his time at St. Louis for a while. Quick. Yeah. Trisha. But you're, but you're right. It's, it's, it is very thin. Um, the only thing I'd say about the whole, the not many goalies from Minnesota, which you would think because Minnesota has been so consistently good for so long. Um, I'm just off the top of my head. I can't really think of any school that has consistently pumped out goalies with the exception of Maine. Well, Maine Wisconsin had, did for a while. Who do they have? Elliot. Who else played? Yeah. You got to go back to uh <laughs> going to go back to the eighties and nineties, but I mean, modern days. <laughs> yeah. Modern. Yeah. Modern days. It's, it is. All well, like if you think about, okay. So Maine had, uh, Bishop, they have Swayman now, they have Jimmy Howard, Scott Darling. Um, just as recently off the top of my head, that's four. But like then from there, you're picking and choosing this school, this school, this school to have NHL guys. You know, I mean, you would think maybe a school like Minnesota would have more than the average, but like it doesn't really seem like without digging into the stats that any school does really besides Maine for whatever reason. And- and Minnesota, obviously, Don Blue and Stauber had significant games, but they certainly weren't superstars leagues. Um, I, I just think that goalie is a tough position yes. to evaluate and oh, project yeah. and develop. And, you know, there's room for improvement there. I know Minnesota hockey has really emphasized that there are lower levels teaching coaches how to coach goalies and develop goalies, and, and you want to have guys – you know, get that training early on and, and like goalie. It shouldn't just be, you know, who wants to play goalie? You, you <laughs> want to look for a good athlete, you know, that can play the position. Uh, but yeah, I, but you even think of it, you think about somebody like Jim Craig, obviously the 80 Olympic team played out of his mind, you know, you know, in college and for the Olympic, Olympic team. He disappeared after that, Beegs. He really did. It's hard to be consistent. I I think when you're looking at goalies and you're recruiting, if you're looking at stats as like your first sift, I feel like you're going to miss a lot because mm-hmm. the team that's in front of you dictates a lot of those statistics. You know, they look in the NHL at, at the top tier goalies in terms of stats and then the top tier in terms of evaluating. And it goes up and down. Like it's very hard for people to play goalie at a high level for a long time. And it's just, it's complicated to evaluate, I think. Brever, don't tell Mankato this discussion. <laughs> Did you know he's is named after Dryden? Ken Dryden? Can't wait to hear that 500 times during the tournament. Eric, how would you like to play behind that Mankato team where you only see 10 shots a game every once in a while? Uh, it would be you nice. Bored. However, you, you let in two and your stats go to hell. So there, there's a, there's a spin zone for you, but yeah, it is, it would be nice to, uh, play in a system like that. No doubt. So credit to them. Credit to McKay too, though. He's, he, he does he well. Day, oh yeah. <laughs> he still stops a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised he wasn't named a team USA. Maybe they just felt, hey, we're taking the Mankato coach. We don't want to take the player. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, 
Um, their goalie decisions were a little odd to me. Didn't they take someone from Lincoln? Like in the USHL? Uh, they they took uh, – what's his face from Michigan? I know that. He'll probably be – will he be the starting goalie maybe? Strauss Van. Strauss But he was playing in the Swedish – Yeah, so that makes sense. I just assumed that there was – like I figured they'd find someone – in Russia, or I guess they found someone in Sweden, like a couple guys, mm-hmm. you know, that are just bonafide, uh, good European goalies, um, you know, that are pro, right? Like you'd think that a pro is better than college. I, I find myself wondering if Hastings begged them not to take yeah. McKay. <laughs> well, but like we say, though, like goalies a hard position. Like there aren't a lot of USA goalies that have found spots in Europe and the KHL. There's yeah, because yeah, there aren't a lot to pick NHL from. Guys. Yeah, so it's a, it's a completely different beast this time. Yeah. Eric should have kept playing. Yeah. <laughs> you could have been an Olympian. You could have got the nice Ralph Lauren gear. On the, uh, I didn't see anyone from the French League on the Olympic team. <laughs> We've got a spot. We got a spot open in our our Gopher Puck Live skate in in March, so we might need a goalie. Okay, no promises though. I'd hurt myself. I'll skate <laughs> out. I think we actually have Nick Angel playing already for our Gopher. Yeah, and I think somebody's trying to get a couple others, so that would be kind of fun. But we'll put more pressure on you in, in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we got to get to the second part of our show. And before we get to the second part of our show, we got to hear from our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers, Jerry Peters here from First Class Mortgage. Have you refinanced your home in the last 12 months? If you haven't, chances are you should. Record low interest rates and skyrocketing home values make this the perfect time to remove monthly PMI while improving your interest rate at the same time. You can also use the equity in your home to finance those home improvement projects. Or you can consolidate high interest rate credit cards into one new low monthly payment. To hear more, call or text me today at 612-940-3291. You can email me at jerry at firstclasscorp.com. Or you could go to firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. Mention the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. First Class Mortgage's NMLS number is 322842 minus 480200. This is not an agreement to lock into an interest rate under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. And, of course, we always thank Jerry for continuing to sponsor the the podcast. Yeah, we started a group playing, like a lot of us met each other, you know, from an old website, um, prideonice.com. Back in the day, we started playing hockey in 2002. And uh, adult, slow guy hockey. <laughs> I bet it's a blast. 20 though. years go by just like that. It does. It does. And, you know, we you know we had a couple skates, you know, and what I mean, after the Gopher season, we had, you know, we had, we had Roberg show up with, with Nick Angel. You know, from those Duluth boys, we had some drinking happening. It was it was a fun time, and you know, we a lot of us continued to play. I mean, Vigo and I played on an adult league. We formed a couple adult league teams after that. We played up in the Super Rank for years, and now we've all just gotten kind of too old. But we like it's twenty years since we started playing. We're going to get all the guys together. So I might be texting you later. I love it. 
But though, I don't know. If I, want, I don't know. If I want to. I suck enough as it is, Vigo. You think? You know, Eric's gonna say that. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm just a terrible. I haven't played him so long, but he's still like. So got young legs, young legs, yeah, Eric. Right, young legs, <laughs> and he's light years above any other goalie we would have. Well, we, we got to get uh, Eric to skate out. Yeah. Oh. It's a better workout, easier on the hips too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, one of our from our Rubes hockey team that Vigo and I played on, our goalie is actually going to skate out. He's like, I've retired from playing goalie. <laughs> That's how everyone is. No one wants to play goalie and get two on ones and breakaways. You know, I'm guessing we could try to get Jess Myers if we wanted to. Because I, I, Let's throw Deutsch in the net. I oh. want Myers and Deutsch in the nets. <laughs> and then, uh, no, I think just Deutsch. Yeah. <laughs> That would be hilarious. And, you know, actually, we, we talked with, with Chris Long a couple weeks ago. Uh, a lot of the media guys still play hockey. And I think it would be fun just to get a bunch of people together. Just doesn't have to be a serious game, but just just to play. I'll keep the elbows down. I'll, I'll keep them tucked. <laughs> you think somebody like Mr. Shearhorn here, he's going to skate out. He's going to be throwing elbows and high sticks everywhere. I got some sandpaper to my game. How, how do you skate out? Are you a um, skater or have you been a goalie for so long that it's a little weird? No, I, so I hone my skills a little bit when I do some goalie coaching. So I work on my shot, my hands. Um, I, we actually, a couple of us skated outside two weeks ago. Um, but I just have my goalie skates, which are the new ones. So they don't have, I don't look like an idiot and have the white plastic cover over them, but, uh, <laughs> but but they're still super flat blade um and they got the they don't round up as high so if i'm if i'm trying to go from a dead stop and try to start too fast i always toe pick and it's embarrassing <laughs> yeah it's embarrassing huh mm-hmm. well we'll have a fun time it's like you know still a couple months away here and it'll be fun to put on i haven't I, I didn't I took my bag down from the garage V. It's been up there for five years. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on the ice a lot with the mini mites and mites. So oh, yeah, you know yeah. the, the hands are active and the, the skates don't hurt. So that that's a good key for me to start. I've I've gotten my Apple fitness workouts going. I'm doing a little bit more uh you know, you lunges go. and uh curtsies and squats. So I'm trying to get the legs back. I'll say I got I got this this one of those whoop things or whatever. And so it tracks your activity kind of like an Apple watch or whatever. I'll coach for, you know, I usually do coaching for like two or three hours at a time. And it's, I don't know if it's more an indictment on my, on my, how, what kind of shape I'm in right now, but it's like, it, it, you kind of get working when you're coaching and I'm a goalie. So it's not like I'm buzzing around the rink. Like I'm not doing a whole lot. I don't know if it's just standing on your skates. Like you're just kind of working muscles at all times, but I was kind of surprised at how much of a workout coaching it coaching can be. I, uh, wait, go ahead. Bees. I noticed that uh, coach Motsko during practice, every once in a while, he'll just start doing whiffs of the ice when they're doing power plays at the two ends. Yeah. And he's checking his watch. He's getting his workout in. You know, during practice, he's letting, you know, Rabs and Gordo run the, the, the drills at each end with power play stuff. And every once in a while, he'll pop in and, you know, tell somebody something. But, you know, he's getting his steps in, basically. Nice. You know, I have found that, you know, it's it's mostly your lungs that, that are affected. But 
Um, I've enjoyed playing adult league hockey because it's, it's, it's not a hard on your body that much Viggs, because you're not playing a checking league. Um, there's no impact from running. It's, it's a smooth skate. So you're getting a decent workout and unless you fall and hit the boards, you could get injured, but really it's a sport that could be played a long time in your, in your life. I mean, Wendell Anderson was playing into his what seventies or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, the former governor, he played a long time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good sport for just keep playing for your entire life. Now he used to play at Drake arena. They had a, like a, a, a legal team put together that played in the Sunday okay. night league there for a long time. So no, it's good. High intensity interval training. It's, it's and you know, fad. Wally Shaver, I think he still plays that. He's, he's a goalie. He's a goalie in his late 60s. Yeah. There you go. I guess I, I don't have any excuses if Wally <laughs> Well, the thing is, I'm thinking also Wally's a stand-up goalie, kind of like old school. <laughs> he's, he's rocking the kick saves. I mean, it's it's probably not butterfly that just kill your knees like, you know. Those are catcher's knees. They're always crouched over. And I I just have a feeling he likes it because he doesn't have to chip in for the ice time then. (laughs) Goalies always free free. Goalies skate for free. Jerks. (laughs) Well, let's get into this weekend, Vs. A struggling Michigan State coming into Mariucci. Um, Gophers need to adjust the lineup. They got three guys out. Who knows? Was still with COVID. I mean, we, little things, and you know, Nelson's still out with injury, but yet they need to get six points this weekend. Yeah, we talked to Bob this week, and he's going to stick um, McLaughlin, Walker, and Brzezinski together, and then he's got to figure out the other nine because he only has twelve forwards to put in the lineup. So he needs everyone to play. So Colin Schmidt's going to get to play regular shift. Uh, Krukshank's going to move to center. This weekend for the series, uh, we asked him if he was going to slide Lucius into the middle because he said, you know, eventually Lucius is going to be a center in college. You know, he's got that playmaking skill set that we need. I kind of wondered, well, what are you waiting for? This is the chance to do it. He's going to be with new linemates anyway. He's probably the most creative player moving the puck and creating space on the roster. Maybe this would be a good weekend for him to try it out. Bob's going to hold back. You know, I think he's hoping when he gets Nelson and and Myers back, you know, he'll be deep at center again, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Uh, You know, Hugo's played pretty well. I think Perbex has played pretty well, so they should be okay down the middle. And and one more thing, Viggs, you know, about let's Michigan state. Um, They lost Lewandowski. He's their best player. They were playing much better when he was playing. And then uh, right right before that we played them the first time, he went out. I don't believe he's come back. That is a huge hit for Michigan State. That's a huge loss for them. It's going to be a challenge for them to score goals, I think, this weekend. You know, they're probably going to play as tight as you can play on the big sheet. And it's going to be up to Minnesota to, to play smart and not give offense to the, their opponents this weekend because I don't think Michigan State's going to be creating a lot. So I think this is a weekend where Minnesota needs to play that percentage hockey, even though you you feel like you have to press and you want to get your six points, but you can't treat it like that. You got to treat it, you know, five minute segments and just get through and play smart and, and know that your talent's going to shine when it has to shine, but don't force it to happen. Now, Eric, uh, obviously it brings in the, 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 the big sheet, 
I've always thought it's always hurt the Gophers at the end of the season when you're going to be playing on a normal NHL sheet. But were there some weekends when you would have a team come in town and you enjoyed having the big sheet where you could, where you had a team that could really take advantage of that space and make the other team pay? Yeah. I mean, I I don't think, I, I think there's something to, you know, playing on the big sheet most of the year and then going to the small sheet in, in playoffs. I mean, I, that's not nothing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as teams coming in. Yeah. I mean, historically Gophers have had just great skaters up and down the lineup. So I think when a team comes in, that's, you know, a little, little slower and a little less skilled, they, they can kind of use their skill to skate circles around them and, and kind of take over games on the big sheet that they might not otherwise on the small sheet. So I think there is an advantage there, no doubt. Now, does that advantage outweigh the going into the playoffs kind mm-hmm. of on a different size sheet? I don't know. Um, Cause there's a lot of good skating teams in college. There's a lot of good skating teams in the big 10. Um, but yeah. So yes, I would say sometimes it certainly has its advantages, but I, I really don't think it's as big of an advantage I don't think it's much of an advantage at all, to be honest with you, because, you know, it's not like it's all of a sudden a completely different game. I think it's more so an advantage, a a smaller sheet's an advantage more so for for teams against the Gophers than a big sheet is for the Gophers against certain teams. Well, maybe it is also something to Viggs where maybe the Gophers haven't had as much skill to take advantage of the big ice that they've always had. Perhaps. I, I think Bob is. I think Bob is trying to get a team that's better for the smaller sheet, and I think they've actually played better on some of the smaller sheets lately when they can play aggressive because it forces you to to get your forecheck going. I think one thing about a weekend like this is the extra width against a team like Michigan State allows you to gain the zone with the puck so much easier. On the power play, allows you to gain the zone set up. You know, the corners are so deep you can run away. And if Michigan State's going to chase you there, it's actually good for you, you know. So it kind of slows down maybe the power play a little bit and and forces you to set up some stuff more in zone. So I think that's where it really comes into play in my mindset is just those entries and then setting up on special teams. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, Eric, is, you know, probably it didn't affect you as much, but in the Big Ten, there are two rinks. Michigan State and Notre Dame that have opposite benches. Their benches are on opposite sides. Does that affect the team at all? Does it kind of confuse players at all? I've always wondered that. I've never, because there's so few rinks that have that. Yeah. It's confused players. No, the, the advantage is comes from coming in and out of the box because the penalty box is always on the, the home team side. Yeah. So they, you know, if you look at Notre Dame, the door for the box is right here. And Mm -hmm. the door for their bench is right there. So as soon as that player steps off, he can step right into the bench and they can get someone going. Whereas the visiting team has to go all the way across the ice. So there's something there, but as far anything other than that, no, it's so interesting how teams try to gain a competitive advantage like that. I remember one of my recruiting visits I took was to UNO and they were, still building their new rink. So I was walking around, I was getting the whole spiel and they were kind of talking about some of the tweaks they were making to get that competitive advantage. And they had the, you know, benches on opposite sides, penalty box. And they, 
they made the visiting locker room like as far away from where they walk out as possible <laughs> type of thing. It's just, it's funny. All these little things that, I mean, the penalty box thing. Yeah, maybe, but you're going to make their walk longer. Like that, like that's not going to matter. <laughs> I remember playing in the old Coliseum on the fairgrounds. Sometimes you get the locker room. It was like a four minute walk or five minute walk just to get to the ice. And so you'd always get stuck at the very, very far locker room. At the there Coliseum. might be something to five minutes. There might yeah. be something to five minutes. <laughs> well, you know, Minnesota does that all the, all the year long. Cause in a typical arena, Minnesota, at least at Mariucci is in the visitor's bench. Really? Anyone ever noticed that? So, so when they go on the road, their bench is still on the same spot. They're not having to flip benches. Have you ever noticed that, Biggs? Most home I'm, teams are, like like when you see the TV, you know, when you're facing the benches, the home team is usually on the right. Hmm. I've never noticed that. Minnesota, they, they've always been on the left. And then when they go to opposing arenas, they're still on that same side. I don't know if it makes a difference. It's just something weird I've noticed. And I think that's a lot of times why Don liked having the choice of benches at the X, because he would do the exact same thing. He would want that same bench at the X. Just a weird thing I've noticed over the years. I don't know. Old Mary used to have box. Uh, used to have opposite sides too, I believe, didn't they? Beeks? They sure did. I I grew up just a couple of seats away from uh, the penalty box. I got a good education from the students and the rafters above me coming down to tell the players it was all their fault when uh, the Gophers scored on the power play and that guy had to sit there for his two minutes still. And, 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 and uh, you it can, was a good time. You can still partially feel, get that feeling if you go to the pavilion and sit in the upper deck. That's what it was. That's how close you were to the ice and just a crazy, crazy place. Yeah, it's cool to be kind of hanging over. I, I love that place. I mean, in the day... You know, they didn't have that, like at the pavilion, they've kind of have that entrance there when you come in. It took out, yeah. When you come in the entrance, you're already on the ice there. There used to be just a wall there, Eric. And, you know, sunshine would come through the windows on afternoons. And it was just. That's awesome. Yes, it was an old dump, but you had to go upstairs to get <clears throat> to the ice. But. That was cool. Yeah, it was. All right. What are you thinking this weekend? Because you got to pick six points, right? Yeah, I got to go with six this there weekend. You, you know, there's a lot of changes happening right now to the program as they say goodbye to the guys in the Olympics. They're still waiting for Nelson to come back off his injury. But I think the talent disparity between these two programs right now is, is pretty big. <clears throat> and Minnesota has been playing well this second half. <clears throat> you know, we haven't seen consistent you know, two games in a row where they are dominant, but they've been very good on Friday. And I thought they've been good enough on a lot of Saturdays. And I think close is, is playing well. You know, he is reading plays. He is playing aggressively. He looks pretty sharp for the most part. You know, he's probably not, you know, an elite elite goalie in college hockey, but you just need somebody who is pretty good right now. I think with this program and in Minnesota only lost one defenseman. They still return a lot of talent, and we thought that that would be the strength of this team from the start, and I think they should really lean on that this weekend. And would you still like to see Bob do a little experimentation with uh, Walker, McLaughlin, and uh, 
I, I would. I would like to see him just stick with it for a weekend or at least an entire game because when he has tried it, he's so quick to just go back to what's familiar. And I, I think Walker looks so much more dynamic in the game when he's playing wing and using his speed, especially against a team like Michigan State like this. You know, they're going to be physical and heavy. If you were to put him on the, the wing, he's going to pressure that D. You're going to have easier exits, and you're going to have more transition opportunities. Now you're just going to give Michigan State time to build up layers to their net that Walker has shown that he's going to try to stick handle through. And it's just <laughs> going to be a it's going to be a tough tough situation for him if that's what he's going to do. Now we always talk about players. What are your options on the rush? You can go wide. You can cut back and create space and look for a late player. You can put a shot on net, or you can try to cut to the middle and stick handle through people. One of those plays is a very low percentage play. <laughs> Definitely is. All right, Mr. Shearhorn. I'm hoping you're thinking sweep too. They 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 just need it. They need it. Yeah. Yeah, they need it. And and I I think they're gonna get the the sweep and the six points. I mean, like you said, the the talent disparity between the two teams is it's pretty significant and I think the Gophers they have been playing well too they just they're they're one step away from really I just feel like one step away from firing off four five six in a row um so they're doing the right things and I think the results are coming so six and Viggs this is the time to start firing off five or six in a row this is the perfect time Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're going to put themselves in a tough spot if they if they drop games this weekend. That really puts them towards the pairwise bubble. You know, now is the time to start looking at pairwise and mm-hmm. and where you're sit, where you're sitting and, and what you have to do. You can't look too far ahead, but this is a key weekend. This isn't as bad as losing to like an Atlantic hockey or an independent team, but it would not be good. So let me ask you guys this: What's comfortable for you guys as far as pairwise? If you can get to eight by conference tournament, you're, you're in a good spot. Yeah, eight, I think you're laughing. I would like when you start getting nervous with 10, 11. I think if you're in the conference tournament at 10, 11 and you lose that first weekend, you're spicy. probably going to 13 or 14 and you're on the edge then. You know, if you're at eight and you lose games, you probably drop to 10 or 11. But remember, Vings, at the beginning of the season, we said we're not going to be worrying about pairwise. This team should be good enough. That's the frustrating part because even Bob knows he's got a good team and he's got to be frustrated. He can only say it so many times to the media, but he's got to be frustrated that this team isn't where it should be or he thought it should be. Yes. I know Chris <laughs> Eckes here in the chat is saying that new drinking game is when I, you know, pick at the captain that you should have a drink. That might be a dangerous game. Um, but this team needs Walker and McLaughlin playing their best for them to be successful. We look at the wins. That line is Oops. like plus 21 in their wins. It's probably up to like plus 24 in their wins. And they're like minus 32 in their losses. The, however that line plays is how this team is going right now. The Nyes line, they were super consistent. Well, they're gone. So now you know, there's more pressure on McLaughlin and Walker to play well. And if they play smart and play well, this team is going to go places. But if they keep having these roller coaster weekends, it's going to be tough to pull off that six game win streak. You know, we were listening to to Frank and Wally talk about the championship teams in 02 and 03. 
And he said one of the things is that roster could put together six, eight win streaks. You know, that was something they could do. They could play at that high level for a long time. And to go into a tournament, you need to know that you can do that. All right, boys. Thanks, Aaron, for coming on again. Yeah, thanks for having me. It, it, it's just nice to have well, one thing we don't we don't get a goalie perspective really. <laughs> we, we don't, and 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 you've played recently, so it's nice to get that perspective of a recent player who's yeah. been there. Yeah, I try to uh, keep fighting the good fight for goalie nation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on, Viggs. Are you working on anything recently? No, yeah, just trying to to get through life. Uh, Oliver Moore did commit to the Gophers. That's a big win for the okay. program. He is a top player for his age group. You know, he's got that first round potential in him. Game breaking speed, a lot of skill. He's one of those guys who's done really well in the AAA circuit, and he's with the development team on the U seventeen roster. And he's played a couple games with the U eighteen team too. You know, okay. he's a player that's trying to finish you know, his two years of the development program and then go right to school. So uh, probably going to be a young player in the lineup, but a lot of speed, good win for them in the recruiting battles. Well, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear, Vegas. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. You know, thank Eric for coming on. We'll be back next week with a, on our back in our regular nights on Wednesday. Paul Kapanegri is going to be joining us making his return again. Uh, for those of you watching uh, live, stay tuned for some overtime. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next week on the GPL podcast.